All right, so in the last uh, message of this series called Sent and how Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so our identity is in being a people who are sent. Like where you are in life today is not a mistake. That God has you just where you are to make an impact on the people around you. I want to tell you a story about that. First, I'll tell you last week, Mary and I, we're out in Oregon visiting our daughter and son-in-law. All five of our kids got together. In fact, can I show you a picture here? Because uh, we're just a little bit proud. Um, and you'll see, there we are. That's Mary and me with our little son. No, I'm just teasing, we didn't have a child. That's our grandson, Teddy, who is 16 months old. And we are with all five of our kids and that little guy right there as well and a few of the, the, our, our, our sons-in-law. So we're together. One of the things we like to do, we love to hike. And then in the evening, we, we play games together and quiplash and all kinds of things. And so we're, we're talking one night, and, and one of our daughters, you guys can take that picture down now, and I, I love, I said, leave it up for about an hour, uh, and uh, no, not really. But one of our daughters told a story, it reminded us about one of the low-light vacation experiences that we had. We were down in North Carolina, we were at this cottage where a friend of ours lets us stay, and, uh, and where we go down to Wilmington area. So we're at this cottage, and I'm in the kitchen, probably getting another snack, you know, working off all the calories I, I burned sitting on the beach. Uh, and, and I hear my daughter, Anna, who's about 12 at the time, and she goes, Dad, Dad, you got to come here. So I go into the living room where Anna is, and, and I, I see her there, and her eyes are like as big as saucers. And she goes, Dad, I was sitting here on the couch, and I was reading, and Dad, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something. I thought it was a cat, and we don't have a cat. And she goes, and I looked, and Dad, it wasn't a cat. It was a possum. Yeah, I, I hate the I hate the I hate possums. I, I don't know if some of you are like have a possum as a pet. I'm really sorry about that, that you can't afford a cat or, or whatever. But uh, uh, but anyhow, so I told her I said, so where did the possum go? And she says it went in the bathroom. I saw it in the bathroom. So I did what any self-respecting, protective father would do. I called my wife Mary. Uh, <laughs> And I said, hey, Mary, uh, there's a little issue. I got to take a bike ride. <laughs> I mean, you know how ugly these things are? Look, look at the teeth on this thing right here. Uh, yeah. And so, so yeah, they, someone just said they're gross. They, they are indeed. So seriously, I did not call Mary. Instead, I got a weapon, the closest one nearby, and that was a kitchen broom. My brother-in-law's there, and he gets a mop. And so we go after this thing. We go into the bathroom, and we can't find the possum. So we start looking around, and, and we look in the bedroom, and we look in this bedroom. The last thing I wanted was for my kids that night to be in bed sleeping, and all of a sudden, this little furry creature crawls up in bed with them. So we're looking in the closet. We can't find this thing anywhere. I said, Anna, are you sure this thing went in the bathroom? She goes, yeah, yeah, Dad, Dad I'm sure. So I said, let's go back in the bathroom and look again, and it was then that we saw it. Not the possum, but we saw this, like, there was a cabinet that would take all the beach towels and the bath towels, and it was on rollers, on the shelf was on rollers, and it was rolled away from the wall like eight inches, and behind that we saw this hole in the wall that was like two by three feet. And it was giving access to the, to the shower, to the pipes, but it also gave access, you look down and you saw there was the ground right there, gave access to the, you know, whatever you call the crawl space under the house, this cottage. And so that little uh, critter had found his way up through the, that hole and had found his way into the house and was probably, I, I wonder, like, had he been there, you know, the night before going in the kitchen to get some food? That was a terrible thought. <laughs> you're laughing at me. I heard you. I heard someone over here laughing at us. Ushers, if you just come right now. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so what, what do we do? 
put out some food for the little guy and just say, hey, you know, I just want to make him know. No, we, we, we didn't, and we didn't just, what we did was we went and we got a, a piece of plywood, you know, that made sure to cover that entire, and we nailed it like with about 600, you know, screws <laughs> and nails and to make sure that thing would not get back inside the house. A gap and the integrity of the wall had allowed a rodent to come in and wreak havoc with our family. You know what happens in our lives? Lives, the same thing, right? When there's a hole, a gap of integrity in my life, something I think is secret, something hidden from, you know, common view, but I know and God knows that there's something in my life that there's an opening, a gap of integrity that something can get into my life and not just impact me, but ultimately impact the people I love and the people around me. It's a gap of integrity and it comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Let me just define integrity for a moment here. Um, the word integrity comes from the word integer, right? It's a math term. And, and which means a unit of one. And so what integrity means is that you don't have lots of different yous, you have one you, right? You don't slice and dice your life up into different segments where you got your, how you act at work and then how you act at church and how you act when you're working out and how you act at school and how do you act when you're driving and how you act when you're in the restaurant. There's just one you, right? Integrity means that wherever you go, you're the same person, you're consistent, you're one. A gap of integrity means that you become more than one, more than one integer. You're this way here, and then if someone saw you over there, they'd go, well, like you are like completely different in this place. What does that look like, a gap of integrity? I'll give a couple examples. It might mean that uh, when you're by yourself, you know, maybe it's late at night, you end up looking at websites that uh, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I hope nobody looks at the history on my computer or my phone to see where I've been. Because you'd go, I don't want anybody to see that. It might be that, you know, the kind of work you do that you bill for hours you didn't actually work. That's a, that's a gap of integrity. It could be that uh, the way that if someone's sitting at a table near you at the restaurant and they hear the way you talk to the server and they go, wow, like that's not what I expected them, like their rudeness, it's a gap of integrity. It might be some kind of dishonesty. You know, you cheat on a test, you cheat on your taxes, you cheat, you do, and you think it's hidden. Nobody sees this. It's hidden behind us. Maybe it's the way that you, you know, in, in public, you're, you're really, like, you're really nice to people and everything like that, but, but those who live with you know that you save your worst for the people you claim to value the most. And the anger sort of lets out, and, and it's, it's a gap of integrity. Here's the question for all of us. What do we do with those things? What, what do we do with the gaps of integrity that we have? And how can we deal with them so that we don't lose our influence? Because you know what happens? You've all seen it take place that eventually we pay a price when there's a gap. We, we, we can deal with it for a while where nobody really knows, sort of like in the bathroom, you know, for a while there was no issue at all. You're like, it's, it's hidden. I don't know, nothing's happening. But at some point, it bites us, Right? And, and we've all knows, known somebody where you're like, I had such respect, such regard for, held them in high esteem, like they, they are a person that influenced in my life. And then you read the news about them or something came out or you heard and you're like, 
wow, what happened to their influence? I mean, it just plummets, right? And I think when we see that, we go, I don't want to be that kind of a person. Like, I, I, I want to be a person who has integrity, who deals with integrity gaps so that I'm not negatively impacting the people around me. You've been at Grace for a little while. Uh, we have a saying around here that we put this way. Uh, sin always takes you further than you want to go. Keeps you longer than you want to stay and costs far more than you ever expected to pay. Let me say it one more time. Any gap of integrity, sin, like when, when, when we dishonor God or we dishonor the people around us, any, any kind of activity like that, always a, a, some kind of sinful habit takes us further than we wanted to go, keeps us longer than we ever intended to stay, and costs more than we ever wanted to pay. That's what gaps of integrity do. So how do we deal with them? You know, this line in your notes that says this, puts it this way, one of the dangers of a lack of integrity is that your positive impact is compromised when there are gaps in the wall of integrity of your life. Your, your, your influence is diminished. There was a quote for a while on our, the wall of our senior high youth room that, that went like this. It said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. I don't know if that's the greatest cause of atheism, but it certainly has turned people away where they're like, you know what? It's just your, it's a, your fake. Like, it's I don't follow Jesus because there's so many, what? Hypocrites, right? That's what people say. So your impact, what we can say is this. We can say your impact is in direct proportion to the level of your integrity. High integrity means you're gonna have positive impact. Low integrity means you're gonna have negative impact. So the question is this, how can we be people who have high integrity and a positive impact? That's the kind of person we wanna be, right? I believe that's why you're here. If you're one of the people going, you know what, I actually wanna have low integrity and I wanna have negative impact, I need to talk to you after service today, okay? Because uh, we have some counselors that wanna talk to you. If you say, I don't wanna have any integrity or any impact that's positive, you go, no, you're here because you say, I, I wanna walk with integrity. I wanna have influence on, that's positive on the people around me, so how do I do that? Let's turn into your Bible or if the Bible app on your phone. It's an awesome app. It's free, and you can download it or just look over your neighbor's shoulder. But we're going to look at a, uh, something called Philippians chapter 2. It's a, uh, one of the letters in the New Testament. And if you want to look at the notes as well, just go to gracecma.org on your phone, and you can, or those of you engaging online, your laptop, whatever, and uh, you'll find the, it says bulletin, and just click the bulletin. There are printable notes or online notes as well. And while I'm talking about those of you online, I just want to say uh, hi to our, all of our friends at our Olmstead campus and uh, all others of you watching online, you're shut in or unable to be with us today, or maybe you live, you took a vacation to Buffalo this week because you wanted to have fun in the snow and uh, uh, you thought the Browns game would still be in play there. Uh, and then the guys at Lorraine Correctional, just want to say a couple of weeks ago, so, so good to be with you. And I want to say, I wrote down some of your, uh, the guys that I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to Brandon and George and Odie, Dale and Baxter and Q and, and Jonas and Ed and Tyler and Sean and Jeremy and Timothy and Duvall and Ruben and Kay and Jonas, uh, all of you guys. I know it's going to be a tough week being away from your family at Thanksgiving, but um, we, we hope you really have a good Thanksgiving uh, with the guys uh, together there. Philippians chapter 2, I want to read four verses. 
And uh, here's what it says, reading out of the New International Version. It says, therefore, my dear friends, so Paul's saying, hey, I'm on your team. You're my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has a good purpose for your life. He goes, I want you to find it. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. In other words, a lot of brokenness in the world. I want your life to be set apart. And then he says this. This is the key line. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love how Paul says that. That when you have integrity, when your life, there's something about your life that you just go, it's, it's set apart. Like I'm, I'm, I'm living in a way that's different than some of the behaviors commonly accepted around me. He says, then you will shine like stars in the sky. In other words, your integrity impacts your influence. When you have a genuine faith, when you have a, a, a kind of, a, you, you know, it, it just sort of infiltrates your life in a way that people go, wow, there's something good about you. You're kind. You just love people well. There's a joy. There's all those things that were true about Jesus that they begin to see in you that your light begins to shine. He goes like a star. The corollary of that is true as well, right? That if there's an integrity gap in my life, if there's something that I'm allowing to take root in my life that that my light begins to dim, that, that my influence begins to shrink. It's a theme all the way through the Bible. You do a search on the Bible app, or maybe you have a concordance at the back of your Bible, and you just look at the word integrity, and you, you find a number of things that the Bible says, like in Proverbs chapter 10. It says, people with integrity, what does it say there? They walk safely, right? But those who follow crooked paths will do what? You know what that means? It means when you have integrity, when it says you walk safely, you're not walking in fear that you're going to be found out. You're not hoping to cover up gaps of integrity in your life. When, when you have integrity, you, you walk safely. You're not having to cover your tracks. And when integrity is missing, it says we slip and we fall. Let me talk for a moment about what Paul, how he makes this really practical here in Philippians chapter two. He addresses an area that we face just about every single day. If you're hanging out with people, this is an area that, that is a key area of integrity, a key marker, and it's this, how do you talk? Whether it's what, what, what kind of, what are you known for with the words that you speak? James talks about the power of our tongue, that the words that we speak have the power of life and, and death. So he says here, look at verse 14 again. Look what he says here in Philippians 2. He says, this is part of what integrity looks like. He says, do everything without what? Grumbling and arguing. Some parents are going, all right, we're going to put that one on the fridge, right? Hey, kids, everything without grumbling. You heard it on Sunday. Everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. What he's saying is if you want to start with integrity, if you want your life to shine like a star, he goes, part of it is, is the kind of words that you speak. It's how you talk, that your words reveal the spiritual temperature of your heart. Jesus clearly taught this. Matthew chapter 12, you're gonna see these verses on the screen. Here's what Jesus said. He says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, when you open your mouth, you know what comes out? Your heart comes out. Listen to how Jesus goes on. He says, a good person brings good things out of the good stored up, 
in them, and an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word. So my words are an overflow of my heart. So if I don't like my words, if I go, you know what, I, I'm not very good there. Like, I, 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 I just, like, I'm mean with my words. The goal is not to change your words. The goal, Jesus would say, is to do what? To heal your what? Way to go. How old are you? Eight years old. That was awesome. How about a hand for that young man there? Yeah. And uh, if my words, you're going to get it right. When your, your words, you say, I, I got to heal my heart, right? I have to, there, God, would you do something in my, in my heart? A healthy heart leads to life-giving words. So if you want to have positive influence with others, you say, God, would you work in my heart in such a way? I want to shine, God. And part of that for me is saying, I want to be encouraging. I want to be helpful. I, I, I want to refuse to engage in you know, the office, office gossip and hurtful jokes and harsh words and anything with racial, you know, overtones and other negative talk. God, would you let my mouth be marked by integrity as well. I have a friend, Howie, uh, who served 17 years in prison. Long story as to why, but behind bars, Howie became a follower of Jesus. And it wasn't, well, in the beginning, maybe it was sort of what they call a prison religion or, you know, that, that sort of, he said, my, my faith only went so deep. He said, I'd be in chapel and I, I'd be opening my Bible and I'd be, you know, singing and everything and, and acting like a Christian and he said, then when I was on the cell block, he goes, I wanted the guys to respect me. I wanted to keep my tough guy image. So he said, I, I, I was a different person. There was a gap of integrity. I was one way there and I was a different way here. And he goes, I, I didn't act like you know, a follower of Jesus at all in the way I was at the cell block in, in a lot of ways. So he says, one day I'm going back to my, my, my cell and I knew new cellmate, his name was Josh. And he says, Josh reading his Bible. Got his Bible out, and so how he said, I took my Bible out as well. I go, hey, Josh, you know, I'm a Christian too. And he said, Josh said three words to me that stopped me in my tracks. When I told him, I said, hey, Josh, I'm a Christian too, he just said, I couldn't tell. Ouch, I couldn't tell. And how he said, Josh's honest words changed me from that day on. I determined to let God have complete control of my life. I want to make this, I want to just ask you, you right now, each one of us, ask myself, is, is there any gap of integrity in your life where if someone saw, they just walked through the day with you through a week and they just looked at you and they saw you and they would say, hey, you're, man, you're the real deal over here, but then I saw you over here and I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't, I couldn't tell there was anything different about you here. Like, it's like your faith has been closed off to there's an integrity gap in your life. When that happens, you know what happens to our influence? It just, what if like Howie, we said, from this day forward, I'm determining to let God have complete control of my life. Like, God, I want, I want every year. I want, to, I want to be one person. I don't want to be here and there different. And God, I, I, want to, I, want to have, I want to be one person 
whose, whose life and whose faith is real. How do we do that? How do we let God have control of our lives? In a couple of sentences, Paul gives us an overview here. In verse 12, back in Philippians chapter 2, he puts it this way. Just want to review what he says here, because there's, there's my part and there's God's part. And here's what he says. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, this, this is a really big deal in your life. This is not just like an optional kind of thing. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He has a good purpose for your life. Do you believe that? But the key is this, cooperate with God's plan, God's work in your life. Paul tells us that we have our part and he tells us about God's part. Uh, our integrity, our growth is a cooperative effort. Our part is this. It says in your notes, we have a key responsibility to discover and live out the implications of our relationship with Christ. Being a Christian is not like just coming to church. It's not, it's not saying you're just praying a prayer. It's, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus. It's a journey uh, where you keep on growing to become more and more like the one who, who gave his life for you. It's like any pursuit in life where you want to grow. It doesn't automatically happen just because you want it, right? My uh, youngest son is uh, on the marathon uh, club at his school, his college. So... Um, he was supposed to run a marathon yesterday. He got ill, but he's running another one in January. But let's say I, I tell him, I go, hey, Andrew, I want to I wanna do the marathon with you. And he's like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I go, all right, so what do I just need to like, just some positive thinking, right? Just, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. How successful would I be? Not, not very, right? You know, after about two miles, I'd be like, hey, Andrew, you just go ahead. I'll catch up in a little bit. Right? You, you, when you, you, if you want to, to grow in an area of your life, what do you have to do? You've got to have a plan, right? And you say, I've got to in, incorporate some things in my life, and I, I have to make it uh, happen where I, I train, I, I eat healthy. I, growing your faith is no different. Uh, on a personal level, there are daily habits that we can incorporate into our lives uh, for spiritual growth. Uh, I would say number one thing is we just say, God, I want this book. I want the Bible to, you know, it, I want to understand it better because I want to understand you better. We've been doing a Bible reading plan. Those of you have been a part of Grace this year uh, where we went through the Bible. We're going to start a new one in January, January 1st, that we'll be talking about in the next few weeks. But I'll just tell you right now, my goal is for every single one of us to say, I want to do this and, uh, and to sign up. It'll take you like 10 minutes a day where you'll read a little passage and there'll be a little description to help you understand better what you're reading. And uh, you can do it on your phone uh, and it's free. And, but it's, there is such a great way to say, I want to grow my relationship with God. I want to understand him better. I want to understand how it, what it looks like to address integrity gaps in, in my life and to experience his strength um, on a daily basis. So we have personal habits that we incorporate, and we do things in community as, as well, right? We grow with others. I've listed, uh, just for start, seven possible ways here at Grace, all kinds of different ways to grow with others here, and you'll see a few of those on the screen. There's something about being in community that uh, God never intended for your journey as a follower of Jesus to be done alone, right? There's something inspiring and strengthening. We're better together. Uh, I, uh, uh, I work out, uh, and, and, and Mary will tell you that she gets out on her own and she runs. Like she just, but for me, if I wake up in the morning and I go, all right, I was going to run two miles this morning, but, you know, it's like six degrees, a wind chill factor this morning. I'm guessing the sidewalks are icy. I'm probably going to tear an ACL. 
I should just stay a little bit longer in bed. It's the safest place I can be right now, right? So you know what I do? In fact, the person who owns the gym that, uh, that I go to is, is here today. And, and I, I go because I work out better with others. Something about community when you know they're waiting for you, you're doing it together, you lock arms and you say, I'm going to make this happen. That doing it in community. And so you'll see various things. There, there's uh, small groups and Bible studies and classes and all kinds of ways here to say, I can grow and, and I, I got to do my part. So I, I have my part where it says, work out your salvation. Like, you do your part, but then I'm, I'm so glad we're not on our own. When we invite Christ to come into our lives, something happens. We have all of his power at work within us. That's God's part. Next line in your note says this, he lives in me from the moment I put my trust in him, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's how verse 12 reads in the New Living Translation. God not only gives you the, the power, the strength to act out in in a way that honors him, but he gives you the desire. You know, sometimes it's like, I, I, I don't even have the want to. And God says, ask me. Ask me for the want to to change, to address the integrity gaps in your life, to, to become more like, like Jesus. And, and, um, and so it's a team effort that he gives you both the power and the desire. In fact, you know what? Listen to this. God wants you to grow more than you want you to grow. Isn't that great? That God has something in mind for you, the kind of person he has a good purpose, Paul says, here for your life. God wants you to grow. He's at work in your life when you invite him. And when he's at work in your life, people see a difference. Even when you're not aware of it, Paul would tell you, he'd go, you know what, you're starting to shine like a star. Your life is making an impact on the people around you. Your influence is growing. It's the power of integrity. Let me just ask for a second, uh, what happens if we mess up? Not, not if we mess up, what happens when we mess up? Because we all will, right? We all have regrets. Uh, I'm so glad, can I just tell you, that we have a God of second chances and actually third and fourth and 600 and, and, and 20,000, right? God is so patient and forgiving that when you and I mess up, he always welcomes us back and, uh, and says, uh, let's, let's work on this again. So what do we do? Let's go back to the opening story. If Mary and I wanted to keep those possums out of our cottage, what do we need to do? I didn't just have a prayer time with the kids and go, kids, we're just gonna pray the possums don't come back. Prayer is good, but at some point, what do we need to do? You, you need to pray, right? Here he is again. Yeah, yeah, way to go. You, you, you take action, right? The Bible talks about the word repentance, that it means you, you, you make a turn, a shift. You, you're, you're heading this direction, and you, you make a U-turn and say, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seal this thing up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover up this gap of integrity in my life because I, I don't want to allow the rodents of, of sin and, and the things that are going to hurt the people in my life. And so you get the help you need. If there's an addiction or some kind, you say, there are groups, there's counseling, there's all kinds of things available, even here at Grace, um, let us know if we can help you in some way. We want to come alongside and say, let's deal with areas of your life and help to shore up and make you the kind of person that God wants you to be. Friends, listen, if you've messed up, you're never beyond recovery. Never. Remember my friend Howie? Just uh, wrap up his story and then we'll, uh, we'll close here. Howie was um, released from prison about six years ago after 17 years of incarceration. And you know what Howie's doing today? Howie is doing the same thing I'm doing. Uh, he is a pastor at a church in Colorado. 
and it's a, it's a church sort of like Grace, and, and how he's a member of the team, and he's working with guys, with men in particular, to, to say, hey, let's, let's help you out on the journey of life, and he also goes to the prison where he once was incarcerated. In fact, a cool story, Howie has keys to the prison where he once was an inmate. Isn't that amazing? It shows the level of transformation in his life and how when you have a gap of integrity or something's happened in your life where you go, I don't know if I'll ever be able to overcome that. Don't believe it's a lie. That Jesus can work in your life and help you to become the person that he's always intended for you to be. How his life is clear evidence that your place of pain can become your most significant platform. Let me say that one more time. Your place of pain, God can make your most significant platform. That you can use the very things in your life that have been regrets to say, God's gonna let me use those to make an impact on the people around me. You know, there are probably at uh, Grace, we're, we're all sent, by the way. It's not just a special few, Howie and John, and every single person, when you say, Jesus, would you come into my life, make me the person you want me to be? You, you, you go on mission with him, and, and you're sent, like into your workplace and your neighborhood and your school and a team and wherever you go just to, to take his character and his heart to, to people wherever you, wherever you are. So let me go back to Paul's words here in Philippians 2. There are a little over 4,000 of us who gather and worship at Grace on average every week. Um, uh, whether in person at one of our three campuses or also online. What if all 4,000 of us said this? I'm sent this week. I'm sent to my family. I'm sent to my school. I'm sent to my cubicle. I'm sent to my delivery route. I'm sent to my wherever. I'm sent to be on mission with the one who gave his life for me and who lived with perfect integrity. And he's come to live within me and I want to shine for him. 4,000 stars shining all over Northeast Ohio or wherever you may be engaging from online all around different states and different countries, but that you'd say, God, would you let me be that kind of a person who, whose integrity consistency, that I'm the same wherever I go, and God, that they see your life in me, the way that I speak, the way that I act, God, that, that my life will be a reflection of you, shining like stars in a crooked generation. May that be us. Isn't that what you want? Would you pray with me, and let's just ask him to make it the case for each one of us. And as we start, I wonder if there's anything in your life right now where you're going like, wow, I've, I know I've got a, a gap of integrity in my life. There's secret behavior, some kind of addiction, something going on that is, maybe it's hidden, maybe it's not to the people closest to you. But I wonder if we could just start right there and just say, God, you know about this. You've known about this, and God, I just want to bring this into the light with you. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I've heard 
some people. I know I've hurt myself and I've hurt you by this behavior. And God, I, I want to overcome. So Lord, would you give me the courage to take whatever steps are necessary to seal that gap. Thank you for giving me not only the strength, but the desire to do what pleases you. So Lord, I invite you to come and have your way in me, to live in me, to shine through me, and to make a difference in my life for the people around me. Lord, thank you for taking broken people like me and using us to accomplish your purposes. We just want to say today we're yours. Use us however you desire in these days ahead. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.